welcome to Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Casey Phillips and Scott Smith here. And of course, this is where we are every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. to take your questions. So if you're not already watching on Facebook, head on over there. And that's where you can leave your questions for us in the comment section as we give people time to do that. After a game, I always just love hearing uh, your thoughts, your initial takeaways. Great to get a win. Uh, great to win at home, even though there were no fans and it hardly felt like a home game. But still, that was such an important game, I feel like, um, for this team. And, and I just want to hear for you the things that you felt really good about coming out of it and, and that were encouraging you. Yeah, I mean, it was another good effort by the defense. I know at the end, Carolina had put up a lot of yards, but a lot of that was on drives at the end. Um, where we were clearly playing a defense designed to eat up as much clock as possible. But obviously the key things you need on, to make this defense work were there, the takeaways and the sacks, four takeaways, five sacks. The way these guys are playing, if they can add those two elements, that's gonna be a winning effort most times, I think. And it was good because it was a group effort. I mean, that was four different guys with those five sacks led by Ndamukong Sue with two. And, uh, you know, four different guys really created the turnovers as well. It was good to see rookie Antoine Winfield make his first big, you know, big play, which I think is what they're expecting a lot of from him. And, and I think that, that um, I think Antoine Winfield's got a really bright future in this league. So that was another big thing to see. Uh, it was good to see that interior pressure, you know, before uh, the season started in training camp and Namakitsu was on one of these Zoom calls. And he, he you know, he kind of theorized that possibly, he and Vita Vea might have a few more one-on-one -on -one opportunities this year because at this point, teams have to start paying more attention to Shaq and JPP on the outside. And I think that's what we saw in this game in particular, you know, between Sue and, and Will Golston, that was three sacks. Um, we could talk about the offense as well, but I, I've been going on quite a bit about the defense, so I'll stop for a second. Yeah, well, and that works out well because we actually had a question from Mike um, asking about how realistic is it that Winfield could have a chance for defensive player of the year. And I feel like we might want to throw in the – rookie of the year. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's yeah, possible. He, he has player of the year, but I feel like rookie of the year is, is a lot more feasible for him to achieve. Yeah. Um, you don't see a lot of safeties win defensive player of the year. I mean, it was kind of a surprise when uh, when cornerback won last year. Usually it goes either to whoever leads the league in sacks or some linebacker who makes a million plays. Um, so it would be hard for any safety, and certainly a rookie safety is not likely to win defensive player of the year. He, he's got a shot, of course at rookie defensive player of the year, but I wouldn't put odds on any particular player, especially after just two games. So I wouldn't suspect that's a real high chance of that, but what it's going to take is a lot of big plays. He's going to have to have a, you know, four five, six interceptions plus some other big plays and the Buccaneers are going to have to be really good uh, for him to win that. But uh, there may be some of those, uh, there, there's probably some awards in his future. I just, I, I don't know. There's not a lot of evidence yet, but he just feels like he, he came into this league like a veteran almost. So he's not, he may not have that same rookie adjustment period that a lot of guys have, like you saw our cornerbacks have for the first half of last year. Yeah, I think that we cannot overstate how impressive it is for any rookie this year to play well. Like, I, I just yeah. feel like with as much as they missed and how weird this offseason is, um, it really is incredible for any of them to be seeming NFL ready and not a liability at the beginning, much less making some big splash plays early on. And that is where I'm sure him having, you know, a dad that played in the league for 14 years is probably helpful. If you get to watch film with someone like that your whole life, you probably are going to be a little yeah. bit more NFL ready. Yeah. And he said he learned early in his life from his dad, the importance of watching tape and that he still goes over game tape with his dad for about an hour after every game. So, I mean, that would be in addition to helping him, how much fun would that be to be able to do that with your dad? Yeah, that is cool. Know what's going on. I like that. What you said um, about the rookie. 
What you okay. said about the rookies also applies to Tristan Wirfs, who's been pretty darn solid his first two games. I completely agree, and especially with Cam Jordan being your first matchup. So, yeah, <laughs> that's got to make us feel really great about where he's going to be. He's only going to get more comfortable in this offense and more ready. Um, John had asked, and I think this is a great question, do you think we break the woes against backup quarterbacks this week <laughs> at Denver? <laughs> You know, it, it's, it's funny because it does feel that way, right? Like you go into a game against, I don't know, Matt Moore or Case Keenum and you think, well, we got a better shot because their starters out. That's like, the thing about that is it's relatively recent history that makes us feel that way. Um, you know, if you look at the 2002 Super Bowl season as an example, the Buccaneers got a little bit lucky that year. They were a great team, obviously, and especially by the end of the year. <clears throat> but that year was really crazy in the number of uh, – backup quarterbacks that didn't really last in the league that the Bucks faced that year, like Randy Fasani in Carolina. Tell me if you remember these names, Randy Fasani, um, Je uh, Jeff Burris, or was it, his last name was Burris. He was the Chicago starter at the end of the year. Baltimore had a, a, like a starter who, are, who barely made any games that year. So I know what this, this person is, his name, John, right? I know what John's saying. I feel the same way, but it's, there's no reason to expect that just because the backup's in, that terrible things are going to happen for the Bucks again. I, and honestly, in this particular game, Jeff Driscoll, who's the backup, has more NFL starts than the guy he's replacing, Drew Locke. Um, so I'm not sure how much of a difference we're really looking at there. Okay. And uh, Daniel had asked about uh, what are your observations of Gronk so far this year? Well, I mean, I think – for one thing, he's been on the field a lot and he's in line as a blocker a lot and helping a lot in that respect. I think it was that in, in particular was better this week than in week two. Uh, clearly um, still working on getting more involved in the passing game and a couple of the plays we've tried to go to him have ended up in bad plays like the interception in the last one. That's not necessarily his fault. The ball sailed over his head, but um, clearly that part of the offense has not been unlocked yet. And, you know, coach said, uh, coach Arian said yesterday, our offense does not throw a million passes to the tight ends. He didn't say million. I'm paraphrasing, you know, and, and that makes sense with the guys that we have. So yeah. uh, I don't know if, if you should, we should probably temper our expectations at this point and not expect like an 800 yard season from Gronkowski, but I do believe he's going to be more involved. Yeah. It's funny when I, I talked to Bruce, you know, for the show that I do with him and he kind of, I, I asked him just about the, the tight ends overall and the chemistry there. And it was funny. He kind of, um, laughed and said, well, you know, I've never really thrown to tight ends as much as people seem to, you know, think or whatever, that it was kind of funny that you, you remember that, yeah, I mean, part of it is going to just be the design of the offense. There are only so many, you know, balls to go around. And when you have so many offensive weapons and um, that maybe it is, it, it can mean that the tight ends are doing a great job of what they're asked to do in this offense and it may just not be what people assumed they were going to be asked to do in this offense, which is yeah. Kind of I think what we need is just just one of those that first Gronk moment where he catches some pass over the middle of the field and starts bowling over guys. I mean, that's going to happen at some point. I think we'd all feel a lot better once we get to see one or two of those. Yeah, and, and I just I need a Gronk spike in the end zone. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's uh, okay, Richard asked, uh, does Shaq Barrett go off this week for the revenge game? That makes a lot of sense, and I'm sure he's dying to get on the board after two games without a sack. You know, he only had four games that he didn't have a sack in last year, and uh, he had nine sacks by the end of his first four games. So uh, last year was the real hot uh, start, a little bit of a lull, and then a good second half. Maybe this year it's it's a different pattern, 
but he still gets to double digits. And it sure would make a lot of sense for it to start here because I don't know if revenge is the right word. You know what I'm saying? It's not like they cut him. They gave him a shot. First of all, he was an undrafted rookie. They were the first team to give him a shot. And uh, he played, he was there five years, played four years. And, um, you know, he got to play quite a bit and, and it launched his career. And then he was a free agent. And um, it wasn't like, you know, Denver shunned him. Really, there wasn't – he didn't have a ton of offers, if you remember. He got a one-year deal from the Buccaneers, like a prove-it deal, and proved it <laughs> in the biggest way possible. Uh, and that's awesome. All that is good news. I'm sure he would like to show Denver what they're missing, especially now that they don't have Von Miller. But um, I don't know if revenge is the right word. Yeah, I was thinking that a lot of times we hear so much about how football players do better when they have a bit of a chip on their shoulder. And after having 19 and a half sacks, it might be a little harder to come up with a chip on your shoulder for some games, except this one, though, feels like that that lends itself to it a little bit. Well, I would say in a, in a bigger sense, the chip on his shoulder uh, would be that to prove that it last year was no fluke. And, and, you know, this is also a player who's, again, on a one-year contract because it's a franchise deal. Uh, and obviously next year is hoping to get a long-term deal. And so that would help for him to have another big season. For sure. Uh, Timmy asked, if Fournette has another solid game, do you think he'll be the starter in week four? I, I, this is clearly the question that we're going to have to answer every week in every forum, our podcast, this, mailbags. We're going we're gonna to be answering this question week after week after week until and unless that change is made. And it's going to be the same answer every time. I don't think it's that big of a deal, honestly. Look at last year. Peyton Barber was the starter for the first seven games. Then Ron Jones was the starter for the last nine games. But even after the switch, they still were splitting the, the carries almost the same amount. Um, and, and, and they're both – Ron Jones and Leonard Fournette are both going to run the football. That's going to happen. Uh, clearly, you can tell from Bruce Arians' usage of the back since he got here that he wants at least two guys that are basically feature backs. And he plans to use them both. And did it matter that Leonard Fournette didn't start the last game? It really didn't, you know. And we had several good drives with Ronald Jones on the field, and he scored a touchdown, had some nice runs, made some nice plays. And then Leonard Fournette had the fresh legs at the end, which was awesome, a power runner. And, you know, he reached uh, like 21.4 miles per hour on that touchdown run. Uh, the formula is working, and, and so there's no real need. I mean, does it matter who's the first guy on the field? Now, that being said, if Leonard Fournette keeps having 100-yard games, then, yes, of course, they will start him. But at this point, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, and I, I thought this was an interesting question to go along with it. Because of the thin air in Denver, could mm -hmm. it be a good approach to have Fournette as the closer in the second half? And I know Coach talked about the idea of him having the, the fresh legs this last week. So to your point, the way you utilize guys isn't always just about a starter mindset. But yeah, I, thought that, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. And then just maybe overall the altitude and the way it could affect the game plan overall. Yeah. It's a good question on the altitude. You know, it's been eight years since we've been there. Um, Which means most people haven't even gone there that have been on yeah, this team. we got such right. a young team. Right. Now, uh, I guess Levante would remember. Maybe Will Golston. Um, Shaq, obviously, will know what it's like. Uh, it, you know, I think this is where you lean on your sports science people, and, and I'm sure they are doing things to prepare for this, just like they would for unique circumstances anywhere we go. Um, but to your point, if – if there are issues with fatigue that are um, uh, strengthened by the high altitude and the thinner air, then yeah, depth becomes more important this week. And where I think that might actually be more interesting to note is on defense, because through the first two games, we've really relied on our main core a lot. I mean, all of the guys that started have played a ton of snaps. And so guys like Anthony Nelson or Mike Edwards 
or uh, Andrew Adams or Ryan Smith uh, or Kevin Minter have played zero or, or very few snaps. And that could change this week. Maybe you have to rely on your depth a little bit more. Okay. And uh, Turner asked, do you think that we could make it to first place in the division soon? We already are. But Saints have the... Yeah, I mean, they got a tiebreaker. Oh, okay. Right? But, but you don't apply tiebreakers right now. That's, that's for playoffs. Right so we now, just, we're you say we're tied for first. Right. Yes. That's could we get there? Well, of course we could get there. We could get there this week. Who does, we're playing at Denver. and Oh, the Saints have the Packers. Yep. That's a tough draw. I mean, tough. it's in New Orleans, but still, the Packers offense has been uh, incredibly prolific. So, sure, it could happen this week. That'd be cool. Uh, James asked, do you guys uh, travel with the team to away games, and where do you watch from? Well, it was James, was it? Yep. James, the answer to that question for 28 years and 572 games, not all of them, that's all games, not road games, was yes. <laughs> uh, but this year, the streak is over. And, uh, and Casey, you, obviously, I'm speaking for you, but you travel as well. Uh, we, we were and generally are part of the traveling party. And uh, it, it, it just this year, because of the efforts to keep the game going in, in this uh, pandemic and, and to keep that bubble as tight as possible, um, most of us that usually travel that aren't players and coaches are not traveling. So uh, it's unfortunate. I'm sure, you know, from a personal standpoint, we would like to be traveling still and be there in person, but that's hardly the worst thing that's happened because of this. So, you know, it just is what it is. Uh, for me, I, uh, the, our radio broadcast is not traveling either. And they have set up shop and away games at Raymond James stadium in the control booth that runs the scoreboard uh, because they can get a lot of extra feeds in there. The, like an all 22 feed where it helps your broadcasters see what's going on see formations and so on. It helps them give the fans a better idea of what's going on. Uh, and because they're up there and because I do a few things for the radio broadcast and, and uh, those feeds are nice, I work the first game up there and I in intend to continue to do that until and unless we get to start traveling again. Casey, do you do yours from home? Yeah, I, I did it at home for the road game because I'm preparing for my radio and TV shows that are on Monday. So that actually is really helpful for me in some ways to you know, be getting to just sit there with my laptop, taking notes, getting the script all ready to go, listening to the announcers as compared to normally when you're kind of in a press box and things are a little hectic and um, you got other stuff going on, you don't get to hear all the commentary about the game and everything. So in, in some ways it's been helpful, but it is definitely sad to not feel as much a part of the team and, and to know the sort of ins and outs of, you know, all the little things that you see on the sideline before the game. And like, there's a lot of insight that I do feel like I miss in some ways, but for me on just a preparation standpoint for my next day, makes it a lot easier. And, you know, not getting in at two and three in the morning. For yeah, yeah. That's the silver lining. Yes. <laughs> actually, a lot of what you said is actually true for here, not during the games, but here at home, uh, you know, at, at here at the, at the facility. Mm -hmm. um, I'm working at the facility. You come in sometimes, uh, but we're not in contact with the players or the coaches. So it's a lot different this year. It is. It is very different. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Light. Thanks to all of you guys for joining us. Thanks for those amazing questions. We'll be back here next Wednesday at 10 a.m. See you then. Thank <laughs> you.